After 11 years on YouTube, last week, YouTube deplatformed or removed my channel from YouTube. They assert that it's because of continued violations of their medical misinformation policy. I want you to be the judge. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Before I get rolling, I want you to know this is the very first presentation in a brand new studio. I don't know if we have the audio components correct, so if it's a little hollow or echoey, please bear with me. We'll get that corrected if it turns out to be the case. Now, back to YouTube. You will recall that not long ago in a legal battle, Facebook stated in a court filing that fact-checking is nothing more than the personal opinion of the person conducting the fact-checking. There's nothing more authoritative than that singular individual's personal opinion. So, very clearly, when we get to things like YouTube's, what do they call it, community standards, the same exact thing is true. Whoever ends up with the ball over at YouTube, okay, we're going to look at this video, we're going to look at that presentation, that person executes their own personal opinion. It's just internal fact-checking. Normally, we think of fact-checking as something that goes out to the public. However, in this context, it's the same exact thing. The YouTube censorship employee who ends up looking at a particular video uses his or her personal opinion to declare that something is in alignment with, uh, I'm going to get into this more deeply, but for right now, I'll just say in alignment with the platform's standards which, by the way, have nothing to do with science. They have nothing to do with factualness, accuracy, data, evidence, any of that. It's got nothing to do with that. But I think it's important to understand it's just somebody's opinion who works at YouTube. There is no hard standard. Furthermore, YouTube does not disclose which particular thing a presenter may have said or information they may have presented that is allegedly violative of their community standards. In other words, let's say I do a 23-minute presentation, and in that I hit on 12 separate points, and then I expand briefly on each of those 12 points. YouTube doesn't say which of the 12 points that it considered to be medical misinformation, and if in that brief explanation of each of those points, it doesn't point to any statement or any evidence or any data, nothing to substantiate its allegation that it constitutes medical information. They simply tell you, I'm Dr. Cristo Santo, medical misinformation, and that's the end of it. You, you, can't, you cannot effectively appeal because you have no idea specifically what you would be appealing about or for, and that's not an accident. Before I explain why that's not an accident, I want to let you know to stay with me. Because I have a solution to this that I'm going to get into later in the presentation. But why is it that YouTube doesn't inform somebody like me specifically what they believe constitutes medical misinformation? Uh, they don't disclose that because then somebody like me, who is knowledgeable and trained and skilled and understands the subject matter inside and out, could then appeal it based on that. And that places their censorship employees in a really, really bad position. If, if the person were to say, this is medical information, and I were to say, well, wait a second, 
how can you say that's medical misinformation? Here's like six studies that say this, and here's the latest thing out of Israel, and so forth and so on. It would place their employee in a very, very difficult position. The employee would have to choose between siding with the evidence, siding with the data, siding with the science, and upholding what YouTube wants done, which has nothing to do with the data, the evidence, or the science. So in order to prevent their employees from having that conundrum, following the facts, the data, and the science, or just doing what their bosses say, they don't disclose to somebody like me what specifically they allege is medical misinformation because I could use that to effectively appeal, and they don't want that. A few moments ago, I said, I want you to be the judge of whether I have offered any medical misinformation. So I, I want to share with you a few of the things that are typically, I think, out on social media, or at least by the platforms, considered to be medical misinformation. And I want to share whether I've spoken about those things or not, or to what extent. And again, I want you to be the judge of whether YouTube is being objective and principled and following data, evidence, and science, or whether there's another agenda. Okay, so... <clears throat> You know, one of the crazy things is a lot of people have said there is no pandemic. Um, I've never been one to say that, although I have said, what was it, 12 or 13 years ago, the World Health Organization changed its definition of pandemic. The old definition of pandemic included something that's missing in the new version. And the old one said there had to be a substantial, this is my words, I don't remember now, 12 or 13 years ago, their precise language. But essentially the message was there has to be a significant number of deaths. There has to be a substantial number of deaths. If we look at the United States, which has a relatively high mortality rate from COVID-19, uh, total deaths from and with COVID-19, the official numbers do not yet, have not yet quite reached three-tenths of 1% of the U.S. population. So I think it is doubtful that under the World Health Organization's previous definition of pandemic, and, and again, we have one of the highest mortality rates on the planet concerning COVID-19. So uh, if we say that ours is one of the worst and most are better, then it would be hard to say that we're not even at three-tenths of 1% people dying from or with COVID-19. It would be hard to say that that is a substantial number of deaths for an illness-causing, highly contagious pathogen. It would be really tough to make that argument. So I have said that under the previous definition, it would be highly questionable whether the World Health Organization could have declared this to be a pandemic. Clearly, under the current definition, it is. So did I spread medical misinformation? The next thing I think platforms readily consider medical misinformation. When somebody says, there's really no such thing as SARS-CoV-2, it's this or that, they, they make up a bunch of stuff. Um, have I ever said that? Of course not. That's absolute nonsense. There absolutely is a virus known as SARS-CoV-2. Um, and despite this myth on, the, on social media that will not die, no matter how many times it's corrected, SARS-CoV-2 has been 
properly sequenced and identified by multiple labs. You can go on the National Institutes of Health website and you can read all about that. It has been properly identified and sequenced in its entirety. So these people who are saying that that's never the case, that it doesn't really exist because they've never done that, that's nonsense. The SARS-CoV-2 virus is very much a real thing. So I've never said that it hasn't been sequenced, it hasn't been isolated, and so forth. All these things that people are saying, because those are not scientifically accurate, not factually accurate. So in saying it absolutely does exist, did I spread medical misinformation? Another crazy thing I see, that, that I understand why platforms get upset about this. I don't, I don't believe in censorship, even if they're upset, but I understand why it would upset them when people say that the, the mRNA vaccines are some sort of evil plot to reduce the population, to depopulate the earth. Yeah, so that's such a nutty thing. No, I've absolutely never said such a thing. So if I never said it, was I spreading medical misinformation? How about this? People should not get vaccinated. Have I ever said that? No, I never have. Um, I consider vaccination to be a personal choice after informed consideration. So for instance, <clears throat> as an example, in my case, I'm robustly healthy. I'm not going to get into that today, but the vaccine brings absolutely nothing to the table for me. And I know because I had a T-cell test I don't know, 10 months ago now, and it came up positive. I know that sometime in the year or 14 or 15 months prior to that test, I was infected with SARS-CoV-2, and I was asymptomatic. I haven't been sick throughout this whole thing. So I know I have prior infection immunity, and I also am robustly healthy. So for me, knowing what I know about what causes serious illness and death from SARS-CoV-2, which then produces COVID-19, knowing what I know... There's absolutely no reason, and remember we talked about informed decision-making, there's absolutely no reason for me to get vaccinated. Now, I'm not going to tell anybody else whether they should or should not get vaccinated. That, that is not my place. I also have not taken up the mantle of condemning the vaccines for all these various things, reasons that people are out there condemning the vaccines. I, I've also not done that. Again, not my place. It's up to you to do the research and you to decide whether the vaccines are right or not right for you. So because I believe it's a matter of personal informed choice, is that spreading medical misinformation? Actually, the way the establishment views the vaccines and the, the way that the big, plat, big tech platforms are supporting the establishment narrative, perhaps that is saying that it's, you should get informed and make your own decision. Perhaps they consider that medical misinformation. Did I say that masks do not work to halt or slow the spread of a virus? Yes, I absolutely did. Not only did I say it, I proved it, and I proved it in several different videos. The first one, I talked about the 100 years of mask research pertaining to viruses from uh, 1920 through 2020, and the fact that in 100 years of research being done on viruses and masks, not one single study, not one on the planet ever concluded that wearing a mask slows or halts the spread of a virus. Not one. So it really wasn't until 2021 that the CDC came up with an incredibly flawed study uh, alleging that masks do slow or halt the spread of a virus. And there is no credible 
information that that's true. I also did another presentation in which I showed, this probably goes back to late 2021, um, in the fall and winter of 2021, I took numbers from states that had very strict mask mandates and that um, from the reports I got from friends of mine who live in those locations, the percentage of people wearing masks was extraordinarily high. 98, 99% of the people were compliant with the mask mandates. And I showed that despite this near 100% compliance with the mask mandates, the number of infections rose exponentially. Some cases, I think it was Michigan, if I remember correctly, now going back off the top of my head, within six weeks, they saw an almost 15%, a 1,500% increase in new daily infections. California had the same kind of dramatic increase. Um, I think it was in a longer period of time, but I think it was 1,100% increase with virtually everybody wearing masks and and so forth. And then it went on and on. And I showed all of the data and all of the graphs um, with people, again, the reports at that time, which is not the same thing that we would be saying today, the reports at that time that they had almost universal compliance with the mask, and yet new daily infections were soaring. That would be absolutely impossible if wearing masks halted or slowed the spread of a virus. So in light of 100 years of research and the data that I just spoke about, did I put out medical misinformation? Not if you care about facts, data, evidence, and science. (laughs) I didn't. But of course, Platforms like YouTube, they don't care about that. The very fact that what I was saying conflicted with the narrative that the CDC wanted the American people to believe was enough for YouTube to say that's medical misinformation. I leave it to you to decide whether that was, in fact, medical misinformation. Did I claim that the not-quite-yet-three-tenths of one percent that have died from or with COVID-19 was in some way a false figure? No, I did not. Um, I do believe that that number of people have perished in the last two years. What I did advocate was that the United States change its approach and start doing some meaningful evaluation of whether people died with COVID-19 or from COVID-19, which is what many, many, many other countries in the world do. And we don't do it here. I mean, you've all seen the stories. The guy dies in a motorcycle accident. He's nearly beheaded in the accident. Of course, he's dead. And so they test the corpse, and the corpse comes up positive for SARS-CoV-2. So they list him as a COVID-19 death. We've all heard these kind of stories, right? But there's a, a lot more subtlety than that sort of very plain example. If you take a look at somebody who's, say, I don't know, 72, 73, 75 years old, and they have four chronic diseases, and they were essentially crippled and and incredibly sick to begin with from lifestyle choices that they made. And then they contracted the upper respiratory causing virus called SARS-CoV-2, and they developed COVID-19, and that was the final straw, and the person then died. Okay, so did the person die of COVID-19, or did the person die from lifestyle choices that that gave the person four different chronic diseases and basically had that person very close to death's door before they got infected with SARS-CoV-2 and developed COVID-19? I think we need to have a national discussion about that, and that's what I've advocated. So, in so advocating, did I present medical misinformation? 
I leave it to you to make that decision, but I'm guessing that the platformers <laughs> say yes, because once again, that cut against the grain of what the establishment had decided they would do. The, 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 the establishment narrative, that's the important part, the establishment narrative was if you test positive for SARS-CoV-2 and you died, then you are a COVID-19 death. Even if you were completely asymptomatic at the time you died, it needed to get logged as a COVID-19 death. So, yes, from the platform's perspective, since all they're really trying to do is protect the establishment narrative, I would say that probably is medical misinformation. I leave it to you to decide whether parsing those what actually killed somebody, whether that's actually medical misinformation or being responsible. Did I make the claim that the virus was man-made? No. <laughs> Never. And let me explain why. Uh, I, I don't know whether it's man-made, and neither do you. You may have an opinion about that, but you certainly don't know. And I'm going to tell you why you don't know. You don't know because there is no science existing on the planet Earth at this time that can distinguish whether the SARS-CoV-2 virus, I'm not going to spread this to a larger context than other viruses, I'm just simply going to say there is no science in existence on the planet Earth between 2020 and 2022 that would allow anyone to come to a firm conclusion as to whether SARS-CoV-2 was manufactured by man, whether it was naturally occurring, whether it was modified by man, even if it was naturally occurring, the science simply doesn't exist to make those determinations. So why would I take a position on something we can't know? Did I take a stand or even talk about uh, whether SARS-CoV-2 was in humans was a result of a zoonotic transfer or whether it was leaked from a lab? I didn't, because once again, uh, there is no science on the planet Earth between 2020 and 2022 that can answer that question for us. And since there is no science that can answer that question for us, why would I, or anybody for that matter, but again, we're talking about me being deplatformed, so why would I take a position on something that cannot, that the, the answer to which cannot be concluded by science? Why would I take a position on that? By the way, I, I want you to note that when there is no science, I'm not talking about something. So when I do talk about something, there is science there. Medical misinformation? Did I say that if America was not the leading nation on the planet Earth in terms of lifestyle chronic diseases, that the deaths from COVID-19 would be a small fraction of what they have been over the last 24 months? I did say that. And I proved it. I used the data offered by places like Italy, um, far more recently by people like CDC, although I believe CDC's number is not, it's, it's not incredibly low. And so, so I took those numbers and I extrapolated those facts about the comorbidities, which comorbidity is almost always, not 100%, not but almost always lifestyle chronic diseases. So I, I looked at lifestyle chronic diseases in terms of what is causing deaths from COVID-19. And then I took those numbers and I extrapolated and I, I showed at the time, I think the number of deaths from or with uh, COVID-19 was somewhere in the range of, I don't know, maybe 500,000. And I seem to recall that we're, we're talking about a video that I did some time ago. I seem to recall that w if we removed uh, all of the people who died having one or more cro lifestyle chronic diseases, that instead of like half a million, it would have been more like 20 or 25,000. And, and I even went back into history and looked at the data from like turn of the century and, and chronic disease and so forth. So it was a very detailed, specific, data-driven conclusion 
in which I said, and I think it's common sense, I think anybody, if, if they're objective, <laughs> would say yes. If America, if most of the people who are hospitalized and eventually died of, of COVID-19 did not have one or more chronic diseases, they probably would have lived through this. I think it's just common sense, but I did the science side of it. So did I spread medical misinformation? Did I say that Anthony Fauci is not credible? I did. Uh, and I proved it again. <clears throat> what I did is I did several presentations on this over the last, say, 18 months. And in each one, I took a statement, a public statement made by Anthony Fauci. And then I looked at the data leading up to that statement and the data after that statement. So we had a full, broad spectrum of the data with his statement placed in the middle. So in other words, there was historical data he should have known, okay, and almost certainly did. And then there was the data after he spoke, so we can compare to see if it was some sort of predictive statement, how accurate that predictive statement might have been. So I took that data and I took his public statements time and time again, and I showed that what he said did not match the data that was in existence at the leading up to the time he said it. And then in very many cases, the, the, the lion's share of the cases, when, it was, when he made predictive statements, the things he said did not come to pass. If you're in a position of public trust and you are ignoring the data that exists before you say what you say, and then it, subsequent outcomes show that you were wrong when you said it because it wasn't in compliance with the data to begin with, that makes the person non-credible. And it doesn't matter whether it's me, it doesn't matter whether it's Anthony Fauci, that makes a person non-credible. And Fauci did that repeatedly. Did I say that the CDC had made itself non-credible over the last 24 months? I did. Uh, and, and again, I showed that. I pointed out various <clears throat> studies. <laughs> Just, I, I, you can't even use the word science. You can't even really use the word research because it was all contrived for PR purposes. The, these little tiny samples, you know, 12 people, 9 people, <laughs> without any of the proper scientific protocols you would want to have in research. And they would release to the public these studies, which were nothing more than political statements, PR statements. And then true research professionals would then write an op-ed and they'd say, look, you, you, this is nonsense. The, these studies have absolutely no scientific validity. So if people who've spent 20, 30, 40 years conducting research and know how it is properly conducted scientifically, look at those contrived PR things masquerading as studies that CDC released to the public for PR purposes and call them out for what they were, then clearly when I saw the same things that those research experts saw, um, I was calling it like it really was. When you look at a study that's so incredibly flawed, the, the results are utterly meaningless. And you say, it's so incredibly flawed, the results are utterly meaningless. Is that medical misinformation? As I'm confident you can see, I didn't put out any medical misinformation. That's not why they deplatformed me. That's justification. In fact, they deplatformed me for just the opposite. The reason I was deplatformed is because when people viewed my content, they were left to make a decision. And that was, if I believe the champion is credible, then the government, and in broader terms, then the establishment, is not. Uh, it left people in a, with a conundrum. They had to decide whether the facts that I was presenting destroyed their faith in the government and the broader establishment's narrative. So it placed the average person who's viewing a video 
on YouTube from my former channel of having to decide whether the government, whether the broader establishment is credible or is not credible. And the answer was pretty clear. So that meant YouTube needed to get rid of my channel. And this is not the first time that this has happened. Facebook removed my Dr. Reality page that uh, was 12 years of work and 145,000 followers. However, when Facebook took down my page, they provided a message, an email, in which they said, we have removed your page after 12 years with 145,000 followers. We have removed your page for three violations. Uh, one was nine years, it was a meme posted nine years prior to the takedown, and it was a concerned Hitler and Nazis, and I was urging people not to allow government propaganda to push them in the wrong or unhealthy direction as it happened to the German people in the years leading up to World War II based on Nazi propaganda. Uh, that was the message of the meme. Don't, don't be like these guys were. We're smarter. We can look back and see what history tells us. So don't allow yourself to be swayed in a negative direction like that. Facebook said that was violative of their dangerous individual and organization's policy, their community standard. So apparently to point out evil people and say, don't be swayed by evil people is a violation of Facebook's community standards. The second reason they gave was another meme, very similar concerning Hitler and the Nazis and their propaganda. And the message was exactly the same as the first one. Don't be improperly swayed by government or party propaganda. Stick to your guns, remain ethical, remain moral, do not be swayed in an unhealthy direction. Uh, that was the second <clears throat> violation. And the third one, which I find the, the most ridiculous, is you may be aware of J.P. Sears. He makes a lot of satire videos. They had flagged a J.P. Sears satire video that I had posted to that page as missing context. A satire video. So, two incidents, nine years out, nine years before they took their action, and two years before they took their action, were encouraging people not to allow government propaganda to sway them in an unhealthy direction. Those were violative of Facebook's community standards, and uh, a satire video by J.P. Sears. That was the justification they gave for removing a page that had been there for 12 years and had 145,000 followers. Does anybody really believe that those three reasons is why they would take a page down. No, of course not. It's absolutely absurd. Uh, they took it down for the same reasons YouTube just deplatformed my channel. The information was compelling enough. Uh, by the way, this happened probably six or seven months into the SARS-CoV-2 situation. So it was the same thing as YouTube. The information, the facts, the data, the evidence, the science, the things I was talking about were compelling enough that it would cause people to question whether the government and the broader establishment was non-credible. And again, the answer was clear. So Facebook decided they couldn't have any of that and they needed to get rid of people who were credibly damaging the credibility of the non-credible government and the broader establishment. So the page had to go away. Is there a solution for this sort of suppression of free speech, this sort of communist censorship practiced by big tech at the behest of government. There is. I'm going to share two with you. Number one is between you and I. What is the solution between you and I if you'd like to continue to get my content? And then I'm going to discuss something I'm going to be doing very, very soon. So between you and I, uh, if you would like to continue to get my contact, content, there is a way around big tech platform communist type censorship. 
And that is, I would encourage you to go to drreality.news. That's my website. And subscribe to the newsletter. When you subscribe to the newsletter, you're not, I don't sell information like that. I don't give it to other companies. It's going to remain 100% confidential. I don't spam the hell out of you. You're not going to be, actually, people have wondered whether they were subscribed because I don't send very much stuff out. But moving forward, what's going to happen? Because we don't know who's going to initiate censorship on any given platform in the future. So by signing up for the newsletter, each time I post some sort of meaningful content, you're going to get an email with the link to that content no matter where that content is posted. You'll be able to access it and view it and go through this process we've talked about today of determining who's credible and who's not um, and getting great high-quality information. It'll just simply show up in your inbox. You click on the link and boom, you're there, and you don't have to worry about big tech communist-type censorship. Now, on the broader perspective, There is a solution, there's a national solution to prevent uh, these platforms from engaging in communist China-type censorship. What nation was it? I just read the other day, uh, was it Poland? I'm not sure that's correct. Don't quote me on that. Just socked one of the big platforms with a multi-million dollar judgment for violating free speech. Okay, So there, there is a solution, and I'm going to do a presentation about how we here in America, if we put enough pressure on our politicians, uh, we can stop communist China type censorship by big tech in this country. And we can restore, in terms of what is the modern day town square, we can restore complete and total free speech. And to be clear, uh, there's a lot of speech that I loathe. Let me be very clear about that. There's stuff I see and hear and I just, Jesus, you're kidding me, right? No, please don't say that. Don't don't put that out in the public sphere. Don't do that, okay? But that's a sentiment on my part. I, I find the person, the, the, the message reprehensible or grossly inaccurate or what have you. Um, and I don't want it out there. But the only thing worse than terrible information being put out by individuals is to have communist China type censorship governing what we in America hear and see. Now, if you value this kind of fact-based, evidence-based, data-based presentation and science, I want to encourage you to help me to continue to be here for you. Go to drreality.news, grab yourself a copy of Body Science or Income Tax Shattering the Miss. I'm not going to go into detail. This has been a very long video. I will tell you this. You have my word that either one or both will be the most fascinating books you have likely ever read in your life. And you also financially, in doing so, getting this fabulous education, this incredible information, you help me financially to continue to be here for you with these sort of presentations. Thank you.